It is Wednesday, February 28th, and as you hear this, I am on a plane coming home, but still technically on vacation. So until tomorrow when we resume our regular episodes, please enjoy this deep dive interview. Well, it's going to happen. Someone from your company is going to do something dumb, and that will result in a negative review on Facebook or Google or something. When you break down the kinds of people who spread negative word of mouth, you find different groups, not just genders or ages, but also their personal moral stance, how religious they are, and so on. You might think that religious people would be more forgiving of mistakes made by your brand, and you would be wrong. In fact, they're much less forgiving, at least according to some new research. Riza Cassidy is an associate professor of marketing at Macquarie University. He and his colleagues recently published a paper in the Journal of Marketing Research called Religious Belief, Religious Priming, and negative word of mouth, and as we are in Easter weekend, a very important time in the Christian calendar, I have asked him to walk us through their findings. Hello, Riza. Hi, thought Nice meeting you. You as well. So really, religious people are less forgiving of brands' mistakes? Apparently so. Um, we found it uh, surprising, actually, when we first found it, and that's why we did more investigations, did several studies just to confirm our findings. And apparently it's true. We've um, seen it from different multiple perspectives of the data, and we can confirm that that's the case. Why do you think that is? Um, I Originally, I thought it's maybe because of their expectations. But when we look at um, theological basis for that, actually, we found that um, most religious people, they emphasize not only on forgiveness, but also on fairness. So, um, because religious people believe that justice must be done. So when things um, go wrong in a service situation, when there's a product failure, service failure, that is considered not fair. Um, so they would react uh, strongly uh, compared to those who are non-religious. I see. So they're trying to reach some sort of equilibrium on justice. Yes, something like that. So their sense of fairness, uh, we found that... Uh, for religious people, they have higher or stronger sense of sense of fairness compared to non or less religious respondents. How did you come to this conclusion? I, you, you did a bunch of, of studies, and one of them involved uh, a whole bunch of Yelp reviews? Yeah, correct. So the Yelp reviews is actually just an indication of um, whether more religious people, because we would expect that more religious people, they would rate uh, restaurants higher than less religious because they're more kind, they're more forgiving if there's a mistake, you know, they're more... Um, what do you call it, pro-social in, in, in nature. But then when we found that uh, using zip code as um, indicator of religiosity based on church membership per capita, we found that in more religious areas, actually the rating is lower than um, less religious areas. So actually, uh, more religious consumers are more harsh in terms of giving ratings. And we believe that it's driven by their, um, again, sense of fairness. And we try to replicate it in a lab study. We give them a scenario of uh, service failure in a restaurant. Throughout four studies, we can confirm that indeed, when failure happens, religious people are more, uh, react uh, stronger. Uh, they express uh, less satisfaction and more negative word of mouth. You're talking about the review or the the, the um, experiment that you did where people were told that they had reserved an ocean view table at a restaurant for their birthday dinner. Yes. Um, but when they arrived, they didn't get it because the restaurant had a first come first serve policy that wasn't disclosed to them at the time of the table res reservation. And then they had to wait a half an hour to get a table with no view. Yep. Then you also asked, essentially, how religious are you? 
Yeah. Did the results from that experiment line up with your Yelp findings? Yes, the results line up with our Yelp findings. So basically, we ask the questions at the end of the survey. So there's no way, you know, they're exposed to the, the religious questions in the beginning because it will affect their responses. So we did ask um, in the um, at the end of the questions, uh, the survey, we asked different items for religiosity. Uh, we don't really ask how religious are you. We, we ask, do you believe in God? Like, do you believe that God exists? Uh, that's for religious belief. We also measure religious commitment inventory, which is basically how many times you go to church or religious activities, um, you know, how, how much you give. So some religious behavior, even like uh, uh, daily prayers. So with those two different constructs, religious belief and religiosity, we found uh, stable effects uh, that religious people are more likely to engage in negative word of mouth. When they encounter that problem, they are more likely to tell their friends about the issue. I want to ask you in a moment about religious priming, which was one of the solutions you offered, and then how marketers can change what we're doing to try to account for this. But part of the, the data poll that you had for the Yelp study included the words used in the review. And it struck me that that is not, that's not an easy thing to, to discern the true understanding. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the word sick, for instance. You know, sick could be very negative in, in the context of a restaurant, but... It's also a very positive term that young people use, you know, like that ride we went on was sick, right? How did you determine sentiment at scale? Okay, so um, we did not, I think in our JMR published paper, we did not include the uh, the mood analysis uh, for the words. We just used rating um, as an evidence that, you know, release people has lower rating. But we did actually thought... Uh, analyze the uh, the mood in another study, which we didn't end up include in our publication. Uh, we use LIWC, this is sentiment analysis software, where you can actually um, uh, capture the emotions, either positive or negative emotions from someone's expression. So if someone says something in a review, you can use this software to analyze how many positive words, how many negative words. They do have like a dictionary of positive and negative words and they aggregate everything um, to, to, um, to, you know, measure whether it's positive or negative. We actually found some effects, but because I think we just don't want to complicate the story when we publish a paper. So we didn't end up including it in the final paper, but uh, that's a good question. Todd. We, we did actually analyze the sentiment of the words. How did you distinguish between people who were residents of that area and people who were tourists to that area? Uh, yeah, that's another good question. So uh, that's a limitation that we have. That's why uh, the zip code is not a perfect measure for religiosity. Obviously, someone who, um, you know, live a review in California, maybe in less religious counties, state, um, they might come from, you know, Midwest, which is more religious uh, and vice versa. So uh, um, having... Um, um, knowing that the data wasn't perfect, we replicated in a lab study because in a lab study, we can actually measure like what you said, you know, do you believe in God and that sort of thing. So across four lab studies and field study, we found converging effects that uh, the effects are stable across different data. One of the experiments you did that I thought was fascinating was you looked for a difference in how people reviewed things on Sundays and also in December during what, at least for Christians, is an especially meaning, meaningful month. What did you learn about those dates in particular? So we, we found that um, so Sundays in December, especially, and we didn't try Easter, but, you know, uh, as this you know, approaching Easter weekend, maybe if we try Easter 
also I think it's going to work like Easter weekend. So um, we found that Sundays in December is a natural priming for people on Sundays, every Sundays, you know, in December, they would more likely think about God, about Jesus, especially in the Christian sort of neighborhood or in a state, you know, highly religious areas or highly religious people, uh, reminded them of Christian beliefs, of how they were taught during Christmas, you know, um, growing up. So those things bring up their religious values, which are strongly associated with forgiveness. So we argue that on Sundays in December, if things are, you know, not as expected in a, in a store or in a restaurant, then you would be more forgiving because you are naturally primed to think about God during those dates. Oh, interesting. I see. Okay. So, so as a general rule, uh, people who are lean, more religious tend to um, have, have sort of less tolerance for, for negative behavior from a brand, but on days like Sundays and Christmas and Easter, they're more forgiving. That's right, yeah, because Sundays act as a natural uh, priming stimuli, and we did uh, prove it in our uh, separate lab studies. Uh, we asked them to, um, you know, to say something, you know, what they think about Sunday and what they think about December. These are different sort of people, even the non-religious, and we asked them to write uh, like an essay or something, and then we analyze the essay. We found that for non-religious uh, the word Sundays and the word December is always like associated with religion or God or things like that. And really, I mean, I guess there's sort of two reasons why people will spread negative word of mouth. Either they genuinely want to warn other consumers or they want to punish the brand. And sometimes both, often both. I, I think that's fair to say. Did you see a difference between religious and non-religious people in terms of why they spread bad news? contrary to what we believe, that apparently religious people do not want to engage in negative word of mouth to help other people. They want to engage in negative word of mouth to vent their anger, vent their frustration. So when it's in the revenge scenario, the effects hold. So yeah, religiosity leads to more negative word of mouth in the revenge scenario, like revenge motivation, but in helping, there's no effects whatsoever. Again, you know, contrary to what we believe, but it, again, demonstrates that it's actually the revenge motivation that drives religious people to engage in negative part of mouth. I know you didn't study the differences between religions, like how Christians might react differently than Jews or Buddhists, but do you have a gut feel on that? My gut feeling is if we have enough data, I think they would react similarly because the notion of forgiveness and fairness are pretty common across major religions. So let's say if we do a study in Middle East uh, where majority of the respondents would be Muslim, um, and then if we use, for example, Friday as their or Ramadan as their holy month, which is a religious priming stimuli, I think the results will also hold because, again, it's a universal value in religion about forgiveness and fairness. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. 
Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You've mentioned this term, uh, religious priming, and my reading of your study was that um, it's possible to turn around this sort of negative word of mouth if you can expose people to, to this, as you call it, religious priming. So like, can we first talk about what that is? What does that mean? So, okay, so priming is when you, um, there's this movie, um, I forgot, it's a Will Smith movie uh, a long time ago. So I think uh, he primed the person with number. Okay, so when you, let's say you, you see the number number 27, like uh, throughout the day, 27, 27, 27, at the end of the day, you'll be given like a choice from a number set. And because you see 27 all the time, you would choose 27. So, um, okay, the, the, the title of the movie is Focus, right? It's Focus. It's like, I think five, six years ago. So we use uh, the, the stimuli, the, the priming stimuli that we use is basically, we argue that if a people keep being exposed to religion, for example, they go to a restaurant, they see, and this happened to me when I was in Colorado. I went to a restaurant, I saw Bible verse, I think Jeremiah 29, verse 11 or something. And then, um, you know, it was, oh, okay, it's like a Christian establishment. And then it, it primes me. So I would be reminded of, value of you know forgiveness if things go wrong in that restaurant i'll be more forgiving um in a very uh, standard situation would be christmas because christmas decorations everywhere even in middle east in in a not in you know less religious areas in the u.s we see christmas decorations everywhere so the christmas decorations um especially in during christmas season uh is a another natural religious priming stimuli we argue that when people are exposed to a christmas decoration then there would be or Christmas song, then it would activate their forgiveness values associated with Christianity. So how would we do that? Like, are, are we talking about literally dropping religious phrases into our marketing copy in areas where there's a lot of religious people, like the American South or something? Yeah, there, there's, uh, there's uh, some companies in the US and it's, it's interesting because maybe uh, we never find anything like this in Australia, but some um, companies in the US, like uh, Forever Twenty One, um, and also In and Out Burger, uh, Cook Hobby Out, Lobby, Hobby Lobby, they they're very very um, you know very um, open about uh, what they believe, and they do actually print Bible verse in some of their packaging. Wow! Uh, for, I, I, you know, I bought something in Forever Twenty One. I think there's John three sixteen in the um, you know in the in the in the uh, uh, paper bag um and also for um i, I believe in and burger in their wrap they do print some bible verse there so things like that would um activate forgiveness you know when they see that oh, they're reminded of their religion especially in highly religious areas but we found that uh doing so in less religious areas may not produce anything or if anything it can actually maybe even backfire so you know non-religious people uh, looking at Bible verse, they might feel that, or they're being, you know, evangelized. Or this firms trying to convert them or something that might actually backfire. So I would say firms need to be cautious, not like one marketing strategy, packaging strategy for the whole country, especially given the U.S. has very diverse population and different areas with different sort of 
um, ideological beliefs. Right. And as you mentioned, your own research found that religious priming actually increases negative word of mouth among less religious consumers. So how do we do both? How do we religiously prime the religious without alienating atheists? It's very hard to do, especially in a very mixed area where we don't know, we're not sure, you know, what's the um, sort of dominant ideological beliefs are. But there are very, there are a lot of uh, areas in the U.S. where it's definitely, you know, it's uh, like in, in Australia, we call it, it's a Bible Belt, Bible area where you just, you know, you know, people there, 90% will be religious. So we can be confident in implementing a segmentation strategy where in religious, highly religious areas, firms can be more open about their faith. Uh, print Bible verses in their packaging have a more, you know, Christmas decoration or even Christmas songs. There are some religious Christmas songs like, you know, um, obviously not, uh, you know, I saw mommy. Kissing Santa Claus, that's not, but, you know, that's a lot <laughs> not of, very like, religious. You know, that's not really, but, you know, like, Oh Holy Night, for example, right? So in more religious areas, re- retailers can be more confident using uh, this religious Christmas song, whereas in less religious areas or when areas where we're not sure it's mixed, then it's better to keep it mainstream um, so that we don't offend the less religious consumers. Well, marketing technology, though, might help there, should it not? I mean, because what you're talking about, you know, kind of going at religious priming in the religious areas is that model would work very well for very broad, not particularly focused ad buys. I'm thinking like television, you know, but, you know, for for someone who's marketing on Meta's ad platform, there's less interest targeting than there used to be. But certainly we could infer groups of people that are either into religion or into atheism. So would it be your recommendation based on the research that you've done that perhaps if someone is using a, a platform that can be targeted that way or that, that people can be reached and separated into those two basic groups, that each group gets a slightly different message, that one group, the religious group, gets this religious priming, the other doesn't? Definitely, Todd. So I think geographically it's hard to do it um, because, again, you know, people move to different areas. But I think from digital platform, you can easily target people with different religious background. For example, like myself, I browse some um, content relating to church or faith, you know, and my wife does the same. So uh, I would be easily targeted by, right? So for example, if firms know my religious belief, if something goes wrong, it's simple email, you know, with some religious stimuli, um, you know, like uh, Christmas theme or something or songs, you know, that would uh, induce my mood, right? It would, it would then activate my sort of forgiveness values. Um, so uh, you're right, Todd, in a way uh, with um, segmentation tools, digital segmentation tools that we have right now, it's easier to target people and then offering them different tailored solutions based on their ideological beliefs. Your research looked mostly at um, like everyday service failures. Yeah. Do you think your findings could also be applied to other types of brand transgressions, like major moral or ethical ones, like the use of child labor, for instance? Oh, true. Yes. Yeah. So that's something that we identify in our future research. I would say um, that can be a boundary condition in a way that uh, maybe priming works for everyday failure situations. But when the failure has really had uh, moral implications, like what you say, the use of child labor or, you know, um, uh, underpaying workers, right? So that, again, you know, like a strong uh, issue of fairness there. I would say uh, religious priming would maybe work the other way around. 
you know, people who are prime with God may be actually less forgiving in that situation because uh, that failure relates strongly to um, fairness issues um, beyond their own interests. You know, it's some someone else's, especially vulnerable community. So the priming can work the other way around. It can actually make them more take more revenge, spread more negative word of mouth to take this company down because this company violates um, strong fairness norms among vulnerable communities. So, th- so there is a point at which Jesus cannot help your brand. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So there's always a limit as to what priming can do. And I think in those situations that you mentioned, the examples you mentioned about moral failure, that definitely can work, work the other way around. What surprised you the most about your findings? Um, the basic things that um, religious people are more, you know, harsh when it comes to reviewing things and um, they spread more negative word of mouth. It's like they sort of hold this anger inside of them. And when there's an opportunity to actually engage, not engage directly, but to, you know, take revenge indirectly through negative word of mouth, uh, they would do that. So it's like a suppression method instead of... Um, forgiving automatically so it's i found that when i also read the psychology literature i found that yeah religious people are not always forgiving because it's you know it's uh, deep inside and we found that you need to activate you need to remind people about their beliefs so that they forgive it's not something that is automatic forgiveness is something that needs to be triggered among religious people i'm curious to know what made you want to study this Religion has always been an important part of my life growing up. Uh, when I started my academic career, it wasn't easy to publish on religious stuff because there was not much interest on it, especially in marketing literature. Uh, and then about six, eight years ago, there was this paper in psychology science, I think, about uh, priming, which then um, leads to emerging interest in marketing, management, in business literature to study the importance of religion. So I was one of the first pioneer working on the topic. And then uh, we found, when we found the converging evidence from Yelp and lab studies, we know this is something that general marketing research would love because we have, you know, different um, multiple perspectives from different data points to prove that religion is not something simple. Uh, The effects are not always something we expect that, you know, marketers need to be wary of the effects of religion on consumer behavior. Well, certainly interesting research. I'm delighted you could share it with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Todd, for the opportunity. Riza Cassidy is an associate professor of marketing at Macquarie University. The paper he co-authored is called Religious Belief, Religious Priming, and Negative Word of Mouth, and it is in the Journal of Marketing Research. He joined me from Melbourne, Australia. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.